Welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and today we're covering Week 7. With all the big trades that happen, and with three team scenarios that make sense before the trade deadline hits. We'll also be giving some Week 8 predictions. Our Change My Mind segment will also have an interesting topic. And we will close it out with the winners and losers of the week. So, without further ado, let's get it started. Starting off here with the big trades of the week. Let's discuss. So, I want to start off with Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver from Denver. Heading out to San Francisco to join Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan. For me, this was a great pickup for the 49ers. Landing Emmanuel Sanders... What else could you ask for? A young receiver with a lot of potential and talent with a high ceiling ahead. It also adds a new dimension to the passing game that's been struggling for a long time now. Especially the Niners. I mean, with the Niners game, it was mostly run-oriented. It wasn't really a passing game. Jimmy G played the game manager, and that was it. He just managed the games on, on the ground, and as the plays went on, based off situations. He was a situational quarterback. Adding him now gives Shanahan more to do. He can work with Sanders and ma- and create more plays, passing-wise and otherwise. So you can use him, you basically can incorporate the passing game and get more yardage on plays, which is exactly what San Francisco needs. Granted, who they're playing this week. Who is the Carolina Panthers? They need it now, and this was perfect timing to land him. So... Great move here by the 49ers organization and by management. I like the idea of going after Emmanuel Sanders. And the other big trade we have is Mohamed Sanu to the New England Patriots. Good trade there as well. I mean, not for Atlanta because Atlanta lost a good receiver. But Sanu, I feel bad for. He's gone to so many teams and he's created so much bad luck in a way. I mean, think about it. He was in he was in Cincinnati where he couldn't get anything done with Andy Dalton, and then ends up in Atlanta. Has a good career in Atlanta, especially, but he was witness to the twenty eight three loss comeback by the Patriots, and now he gets dealt to that team. He goes to the Patriots, who also had to put Josh Gordon on IR and expect to waive him later on when he is fully healthy. So either way, Mohamed Sanu is a Patriot, and he's going to be pretty much taking. Josh Gordon's role. It makes sense, to an extent, but it's the right move, either way. So, think about it this way. You now have Mohamed Sanu working with Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett. It's a great it's a great three, three receivers right there. All really good. I like it. Plus, you add a little size, and you need a little size on the team, especially. You don't have that many tall receivers. And for the New England, this adds another receiver that Brady can throw to that's athletic, fast, and can also play quarterback like Edelman so he can use more trick plays. It's actually a very good idea and very good move by Bill Belichick. I'm very sure Josh McDaniels has something to do with it, but who knows? We'll see. Honestly, it was a great move here by, my, by the New England Patriots to pull this off 
Atlanta kind of got the short end of the stick, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what happens, happened. So, the other trade I'm also going to note, because I still think it's worthy to note, is the Quandre, is the Quandre Diggs trade from Detroit all the way over to Seattle. Because that was kind of a big deal. Because he's one of the most underrated safeties in the NFL, and he was coming off an injury. And because of that, the Lions unexpectedly dealt him to Seattle. And by dealing him to Seattle, there's a lot of people questioning the sanity of the Detroit Lions organization and what is going on there op- operations-wise. Because Darius Slay is now, is now complaining about it. You got players in disagreement with the decision by management. And that could have a serious effect on future endeavors with these players. Especially when it comes to contract time. When it's time to do extensions and everything on top of that. That'll be an issue. So, otherwise though, for Seattle, that was a great trade. You landed a safety that can help fill the role for Bradley McDougal who's been battling some injuries recently. I think he was just placed on IR as well. So, filling that role, adding another dimension to the secondary, to lockdown, to be a lockdown safety. He's also a hard hitter. Don't underestimate that guy. So, yeah, those were the big trades this week. That's really it. I know it wasn't that long of a topic, but... How far could you really go with draft with the trade analysis here? I can't go too far. The draft pick values were also very good in, in exchange for them. So, can't say much otherwise. These were all good trades for the receiving ends of, the, of both sides. They got good value out of them. But now, watching all this unfold, as we're approaching the deadline, there's things you have to question. Who should go where? What should happen? And something I noticed were teams that need to make moves. So why not have a segment where I tell you what teams need to make moves and who, and give a trade scenario that makes sense. So I can name a bunch of teams off the bat, but I'm only going to pick three. So if you want to talk about teams to focus on when we're talking about trade scenarios, you want to look at teams like the Bills who are trying to hold on to their wild card spot. You want to talk about the Ravens who want to maintain their stuff, but right now they've made moves, so they can't really be included. Um, you got to talk about the Browns trying to make moves. I heard they're trying to get Nate Solder from the Giants. Can't tell you how true that is. They're looking for an old lineman right now in the trade deadline, so that makes sense. You could also go here with the Colts, the Texans. You can go with pretty much anybody in the AFC South. Um, AFC West, you can look at the Chiefs. They need some help a little bit in the secondary. Oakland, too. Oakland needs some work. The Chargers always need work, but I don't know what you could really add to help save their season. Same for the Broncos. Uh, you can go to Dallas. Right there, automatically with the safety positions. You can jump into Philly, who needs help at corners right now, and having deep depth over at the uh, receiving position. You could go automatically to Tampa, who needs help with corners, even though there's no chance they're probably going to make the playoffs. Uh, you can, no, don't worry about Atlanta. Carolina, they're really good right now. I wouldn't be too worried. Honestly, all the way around, most of these teams are okay. It's the teams that are trying to fight to stay alive in the playoffs that need the help. So, with that, I'm going to give you three teams with their scenarios. So, the first team I do want to bring up that should have a focus on making a deal that's going to help them and benefit them are the Detroit Lions. Now, I understand they made a trade already and they got rid of Quandre Diggs. Shouldn't have happened. They should not have let him go that easy. 
They should have actually put up a fight and listen to their players. Now, a trade that works. Right now, the Lions, in case you guys haven't heard in the news, Carrion Johnson just got put on the IR because of a knee surgery he just had. We don't know how many games he's going to miss. So in the meantime, they're exploring running back options like Paul Perkins, who's a free agent currently. If you were to ask me, I don't think that's a bad option. That doesn't mean it's a good option. So... There's so many free agent running backs out there you can rely on. You can go to him. You can go to Jay Ajayi. You can go to a lot of different guys that are available. LeGarrette Blunt too. You can go anywhere with this. But the point of the matter is we're talking about a trade scenario for an effective player. And if you're looking for an effective player, look no further than the Patriots. The Patriots have plenty of them. They've also got three great running backs in the backfield. Sonny Michelle. They've got James White. They've got Rex Burkhead. One of those running backs could suffice. But here's the thing. You know they're never going to get rid of Sony Michelle because he's the young guy. James White's at central for the passing game and helps out a lot. And Rex Burkhead is the power guy. So the question is, which back do you want? Which one does the Lions need? And if I'm the Lions, here's the deal. The Patriots are the team to go to for running backs, no matter what. Because you know the 49ers aren't going to give up anything after Breda's injury scare. So, keep an eye out on that too. I Here's a good deal option. The Lions make a trade with New England and give up a third and fourth round pick in return for Rex Burkhead. Now, it seems a little far-fetched, but the reason why is because if you look into that backfield, they don't go very far. So, because of them not be able to go very far, that could play against them. So getting Rex Burkhead would be a nice addition until Johnson comes back. You have the two of them work as a tandem out of the backfield. And it actually works well because it keeps the dimensions of the offense in shape. And Detroit's run game doesn't fall completely down at the bottom. It's in the middle tier, lower end right now. It's not the best run game. But otherwise, the point is, on Johnson's a good running back. And losing him is, is big. Now, third and fourth round picks may sound like a lot. I wouldn't say it's a lot. In this case, because of the talent of Burkhead. But if you want me to adjust it, I could probably say third and a sixth round pick. That makes sense. Because that's what they would need back. And you know Belichick's going to make the most of that pick. Of those picks. So, otherwise, again, third and sixth probably makes sense. Not a third and fourth. But, either way, the Lions need Rex Burkhead. In the meantime, while Kerryon Johnson's dealing with recovering from his knee surgery. Another option for trades. Tampa Bay has had a history of problems in the defense ever since they won the Super Bowl. It has broken down slowly and slower and slower until it finally became absolutely nothing. Their run defense is one of the top in the league. Actually, the best in the league at the moment. As for the passing game, as in for pass defense, they're like the bottom three if not the worst, in the entire NFL. And that goes down to the secondary. There have been corners who are young guys, and they're very good. We've had, They have some good corners. I can vouch for that. They have good corners involving Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, who can play corner and safety, MJ Stewart, same way, safety corner hybrid. You got a lot of good guys. Ryan Smith, too. Ryan Smith is not a bad corner. But the point is, they're supposed to be first-round pick 
Vernon Hargreaves isn't getting the job done anymore. And if you want to make sure you get things done right, you make sure you let that man go. I don't care if he's had an interception this season. I don't care if he has over 20 tackles. The point of the matter is, he's not doing the job anymore. He's not covering the guys properly. He's allowing too many passes downfield. And as a result, he must be traded. So, if you want to make an appealing trade here, and you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you need help right away to try to save your season in the secondary, I would make a bold trade with the Washington Redskins to land Quinton Dunbar. Quinton Dunbar is actually one of the top corners this year in the NFL tackles-wise and interception-wise. He's been doing very well. He's solid coverage. He's a secret weapon out there for the Redskins on the other side of Josh Norman. So... They got very lucky there, and it's going to take a little bit to get to get him. But in this case, Tampa would get Quinton Dunbar and a third-round pick for Vernon Hargreaves and a second-round pick. It's not the best trade. It's not the worst trade, but I am telling you right now, a second-round pick is very valuable. Losing a second-round pick is worth a lot. So by giving him up and a former first and a former for, and a first-round pick, technically in. Vernon Hargreaves, you're giving up a lot of talent. Whereas if you're taking Quinton Dunbar, you're taking somebody who's having a good year this year, is on a positive spin, you're taking him and you're plucking him, and you're taking him for your team, and getting a lower a lower value pick in, in return. So you're making it feel like, oh, we're giving you the better talent player for the future with a higher pick in case it doesn't turn out that way. And we'll take the guy who's okay right, who's doing good right now, and we'll give you, and we'll also take your lower value pick if you're wrong. It makes sense when you're trying to tell that to somebody. It makes a lot of sense. It's the exact phrasing you should use too. Remember that, guys. Phrasing matters a lot when you're pulling off trades and making deals. So yeah, Tampa would get Quinton Dunbar and a third round pick to help the secondary in return for Vernon Hargreaves and a second round pick. So, again, Washington loses their good corner, who's having a good year, for another corner who's had some struggles in his system and might do well in their system. And they also get a pick as insurance in case that doesn't work out, just like Tampa does. So it's a good deal all around. It might actually be the boost Tampa needs to move forward. And the final trade idea involves the Houston Texans. Now, the Houston Texans have been doing very well this year. Oh, I can't even say that. They're now sitting second in the league right, in the division right now behind the Colts after an ugly loss they took. Not ugly. It was close towards the end, but the Colts pulled away at the end. Brissette threw four touchdowns, career high. It wasn't It wasn't pretty for the Texans. So, and the reason why is because they're lacking pressure. They're not getting the pressure on the quarterback that they should be. So by not getting that pressure that you need, you're not, you're giving Brissette and other quarterbacks enough time to get the ball out. So, in order to respond to that, your best option is to get a defensive end to work alongside J.J. Watt. Because the current defensive end is not doing the job. I can't think of his name offhand, but I do know that if I can't think of his name offhand, that there is an issue. So, if I'm correct, he has he's one of the lowest graded linemen in the AFC South and in the AFC overall. He's not a good defensive lineman. So, if that's the case, you should take a defensive end from someone. Now, I've been looking over the production 
rankings and tackles, someone who's a run stopper, someone who's good off the edge and gets pressure and has a decent amount of sacks this year. And there was one bright spot I noticed, a player who hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but was a, was a, believe, first or second round pick a couple years back. His name is Sam Hubbard. He's a defensive end from the Cincinnati Bengals, and he has racked up quite the stat sheet this year. He's top 10 right now among defensive linemen in tackles, and he has about three, two, three sacks on the season. So based off that, that's a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, it's a good player. Hey, I'll pull the trigger on that. Why? Because Cincinnati's on an 0-7 season, and they're already tanking, and they're going to be up there for a high-value pick. So, here, they can just replace him like it's no problem. Go after Chase Young, even. See? Remember that. If they have a bad year, and they finish in the top three, they could take Chase Young, the defensive end stud in college football right now, to replace Sam Hubbard, who's having a good year. So, with that, the Texans can get Tech Sam Hubbard from Cincinnati in return for Lonnie Johnson Jr. and a fourth-round pick. I know a lot of Texans fans don't like that because Lonnie Johnson's a big name over there in, in Houston, even though a lot of people don't know him. He's a decent corner who plays well. But again, you have to understand, this is a good player who has a bright future ahead of him that was only drafted a couple years ago, and he's breaking out now. You have to keep that in mind. So his breakout now means he's going to be worth a lot more now. So you have to give up an important piece. And the secondary is already fine. You guys are okay right now in the secondary. But at the defensive line, you need someone who's going to shut everything down. And I know you guys need a jack linebacker. But that, I mean, at the same time, you you don't have to worry about it if you're constantly getting pressure on the quarterback every time. But you're not. So in order to do that, get another guy. Sam Hubbard. So now you'll have Sam Hubbard on the line with J.J. Watt. I mean, come on. That's a great move. That'll make the 3-4 defense look even scarier for Romeo Cornell. He has a lot more to work with. So off that, Lonnie Johnson, you give them. So now they have a solid corner that can work with William Jackson III and Drake Kirkpatrick. And a fourth-round pick. It's a good deal. It's a good deal for Sam Hubbard. Young talent who is peaking at the right moment for lesser val- for a lesser-talented person and a mid-round pick. It's not bad. It's a good offer, and I think the Texans should offer that and get something from the Cincinnati. It's going to help them. They can, make a play- they can make the playoffs with that player. Because the defense will have a new dimension. So, Houston, if you're listening, think about this. For real. Really do think about this. So that's going to conclude the three-team scenario segments, okay? So, for recap, Lions will trade for Rex Burkhead. They'll have to give up a third and fourth round pick for him, but they'll have the running back to solve the solution while Carrion Johnson's recovering from knee surgery. TLB Buccaneers get Quinton Dunbar and a third round pick from the Redskins for Vernon Hargreaves and a second round pick. This way... Bucks can get an upgrade in the secondary from a player who's doing well this year. And the Reds can get a high potential player who is still young to do well. And if he doesn't do well, they have an insurance in the second round pick to get a new corner. And then for the Texans, they get Sam Hubbard, who's having a great year from Cincinnati, in return for Lonnie Johnson Jr. 
the veteran corner, and a fourth-round pick. Gives Houston the pressure that they need from the defensive front that they've been looking for with J.J. Watt. And the Cincinnati Bengals add another veteran cornerback to help out their situation. And they get a mid-round pick to help in drafting for next year. So, overall, I think all these trade scenarios make sense and are good. So, that moves us now to the Week 8 predictions. Predictions for all the games in Week 8. We have a total of 15 games this week. Yes, you heard that right. We have 15 games this week. 30 different teams facing off. So, let's just jump straight into it. Starting off with Thursday Night Football. Starting off with the Washington Redskins versus the Minnesota Vikings. Two good two teams that had interesting starts to the season. The Redskins had a great performance with Case Keenum at quarterback. Then had their head coach fired because they couldn't win a game. And finally got a win after they fired him and beat the Dolphins. So, on top of that, you keep going and you have the Minnesota Vikings who couldn't get the passing game going and it affected their record. But ever since the comments were made by Adam Thielen, the Vikings have performed well because Kirk Cousins has been throwing the ball more. Which means Dalvin Cook isn't getting the same amount of touches, but he's still producing at a high level. So now, the offense is clicking, the defense is working, and now they're becoming a team to beat in the NFC. As long as Kirk Cousins stayed consistent, they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC, and that is why they beat the Washington Redskins on Thursday night. The Denver Broncos will play Indy at 1 o'clock on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Indy coming off a big win against Houston is going to have to take on Denver without Emmanuel Sanders, who they just traded. And a defense that is still top five in the league, but is the defense enough to shut down the Colts? Because your offense still has to produce, and you don't have your main playmaker anymore. Your top receiver is now Cortland Sutton, who he drafted last year. So, you have to ask yourself, am I doing the right thing here? Are we going to win? Are we going to win this game? Can we get the offense going without our playmaker? The answer is, no. No. You traded your playmaker. You traded your star. No way you win. So, Indy beats Denver. Moving on to the other game, Tampa Bay Bucks versus the Tennessee Titans. Had to think about this one for a minute because Ryan Tannehill finally jolted the Titans pass game that had been lacking when Mariota was in. So, because of that, this is going to be really hard to watch because this may be a very close game. The, tit- the Tennessee Titans secondary is very good and you're going up against Jameis Winston who gets flustered easily. So you could easily take advantage of that. Now, for the Titans here, JPP is coming back for the Bucks, hopefully. Which means he may play this week. Which means you have to deal with Namakong Su and Damakong Su. You gotta deal with Vita Vea and you gotta deal with Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, I don't know if you guys want to take on that matchup. But if I were you, I'd do everything I can to protect Tannehill or he will be broken. Which will force mistakes. So, this is going to be a highly contested game. And I think it all comes down to if JPP plays or not. And because I think he will play, the Bucks will have the upper hand, and they will narrowly defeat the Tennessee Titans. Narrowly. This is a tough game. Keep an eye out on this one. 
Arizona goes to Louisiana to take on the New Orleans Saints. Arizona is on a three-game win streak. They're doing very, very well. And the Saints will finally get Drew Brees back this week. But the question is, is Drew Brees going to still perform at the same level after the injury he suffered? We'll have to find out. Arizona, not a good defense. Saints defense, very good. Cardinals offense, pretty good. Saints offense, damn good. Quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, young, mobile, multidimensional. Breeze, supposed to be multidimensional, but due to age, he's turning into a pocket passer. So, and we coming off the injury too, so we don't know what will happen. There's a lot of question marks with this game, but I'm going to take my instinct here and go with the New Orleans Saints. There's too many question marks to really say that Arizona would win this game. And this is going for both sides here. Which now brings me to the next game, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the L.A. Rams. Let's not talk about that. L.A. Rams for the win. So, that brings us to the Jets versus the Jaguars. That's going to be the game to watch as well. Um, Jets offense supposed to be invigorated, but they took on the Patriots and lost 33 to 0. 33 to 0. What in tarnation happened? I mean, my goodness. The Jets passing game is supposed to be good, and they're taking on a Jaguars secondary that's not as good as the Patriots. They're like middle tier. Now that they don't have Jalen Ramsey, they're a little worse too. The defensive pressure still is very good against the Jets, whose defense is just what? I mean, the secondary. The secondary is okay with Jamal Adams and Marcus May. That's all I could say. It's okay. So it all comes down to whose offense is going to outperform the other, and I think it's going to be Jacksonville because their passing game has been very, a lot better than the Jets have been, and plus the run games. The Jets have one of the worst run games in the NFL, and Jacksonville has a top 10 run game with Leonard Fournette. So, basically, based off the offense right there, the offensive firepower, I'm going with Jacksonville. Let's jump over to the Giants versus the Lions. Oh my. The New York Giants have Daniel Jones. They don't have many offensive weapons outside of that besides Saquon Barkley and Golden Tate. And Sterling Shepard. And Evan Engram. But the question is... Who's healthy, who's not? As for the Lions, their offense, Matthew Stafford, no carry-on Johnson. That's a big thing they don't have carry-on Johnson. You also have Marvin Jones in there and Kenny Galladay. Two good receivers right there. And I think that should help them, but the problem is, as horrible as the Giants' secondary is, not having a good run game is going to hurt and it's going to affect Stafford's performance. Stafford might have a 400-yard game. I may be completely wrong. But I think Daniel Jones will find a way, and he will outperform Matthew Stafford to win for the New York Giants and beat the Lions, to send the Lions to, I believe, 2-4-1. and one. So they're going to take another loss while the Giants get a win and knock off the losing streak. Now we go to the Chargers and the Bears. This one was one I had trouble deciding because Mitchell Trubisky is screwing over this offense. They can't get anything done. And it's embarrassing. 
for a good team with a good defense. It's embarrassing when your quarterback can't get anything done. But hey, who am I to talk? The Chargers? Come on. You have no running back. You're not trust you're not giving the ball to Eckler enough. Heck, I mean I'll get into the Chargers later on. Don't worry about it. I went into them last week. I'm not afraid to go back into them this week. Phillip Rivers has to work again with his receiving game, which again has been great the passing game. The running game has been through the floor. You look at the defense. It's really good. But again, we're talking about the charges here. And they're playing the Bears. And the Bears defense is really good. And I couldn't decide, but I think because of the fact of Mitchell Trubisky taking so many reps last game, I have to say... The Chargers win it because of poor play calling from Matt Nagy, who will be in charge of play calls this week, in favor over his offensive coordinator. And his quotes, he says, I am not an idiot. So, we're going to see how much he improves that. And if he makes the right calls this week and lies on his running backs more, maybe, maybe we won't believe that. Next game, Philadelphia versus Buffalo. The Eagles go into Ralph Wilson Stadium to take on the Buffalo Bills. The Eagles have been doing very are in a slump right now. I think some one player put it best, which is Malcolm Jenkins, who supposedly off the record said that Carson Wentz is not the same as Nick Foles, and Nick Foles knew how to confuse a defense and read a defense and make plays happen rather than Carson Wentz. So he's basically saying that in simple terms, in ways there are certain ways where Foles is considered a better quarterback than Wentz. I'm not saying, he's not saying he is a better quarterback. He's saying that Foles has some situations where he is the better quarterback. But again, I don't blame him. I think he's right. Right now, Wentz was supposed to be having a really good year, possibly an MVP year, and look at them. I don't see an MVP year right now. The offense isn't running right. The defense isn't doing enough. This is not the team that won the Super Bowl Two years ago. This isn't that team anymore. And even though they're going to play Buffalo, who has a top three defense, by the way, overall, I think it's important to note that the Buffalo offense is what's going to kill them this week, and that is why Philly will rebound and win after their atrocious beating against the Cowboys. They are going to beat Buffalo this week because Buffalo's offense is not that good, and they will go to five, and and Buffalo will not be knocked down with another loss. To make give them two losses on the year. Seattle, Atlanta. So might be a good game. We'll see. I don't think Matt Ryan is playing. So if he is not playing, that would mean Matt Schaub is starting, who has not started a game in a very long time. It has been a long time since Matt Schaub has started a game, and I'm actually very afraid. And I think the defenses are too, because coaches don't know what he's like now. They don't know his tendencies. Because there's no recent film. So this may actually play into Atlanta's favor. Think about it. No recent film. You have nothing to study except old film. And his habits, his old habits may have changed. He may have new techniques to winning. So that might actually mean the Falcons win this week and get two wins on the season. But yet again, I may be overreading. I may be reading it too much into this. Like I do with most things here with football. But Seattle, I think, should win this game. The Atlanta defense just isn't good. Wilson's going to have a great week, and as a result, the 
Seattle wins in Atlanta. Carolina playing San Francisco. This is game of the week right here. I am telling you right now. They're going to be in San Francisco. San Francisco's defense is going to try to stop the Carolina offense that has been reinvigorated by Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen is 4-0 since he took over for the Panthers, and he has been the most underrated and forgotten story right now in the NFL. He is impressive. He is a good passer. I would want him to be my quarterback. He is great, and he's talented, and I, w- and I hope he wins the starting job. However, you're play- this is the biggest test of his life. This is the second best defense in the NFL and the number one passing defense in the NFL. It was a money game last week for the Niners, but they held the Redskins to zero points and won with nine points on the board. That's pretty impressive. That's how good the defense was. Now, on top of that, the Red the Niners offense just got Emmanuel Sanders, so now the passing game is going to be more relied on, and they can take pressure off the run game, which has been top three in the league as well. So with that, you're also going against a really good run defense in Carolina, but the pass defense, not so good. So with that, they're going. That's probably why they took Emmanuel Sanders to get the advantage to beat Carolina. Taking Emmanuel Sanders gives them a chance to exploit the fact that they don't have a good passing game. I mean, pass defense. So that means Kyle Shanahan can create some misdirection with his offensive coordinator, and as a result, they can confuse the Carolina defense and take advantages with passes downfield to Emmanuel Sanders. Expect the Niners to try to run up the score and this be a high-scoring game. Got the Niners winning it. Cleveland playing New England. Oh, New England. I know it sounds weird for me to just say that, but let me just tell you. That Browns offense can't do anything because Mayfield has no time. There is no offensive line. Chase Winovich is incredible right now. And I said he was going to be incredible. I told all my friends and everybody I knew that Chase Winovich is going to be a star right now for the... Patriots, and he's going to be like the next Willie McGinnis. Yes, that's right. The next Willie McGinnis and Ted Bruschi. I mean, on top of that, I could just go here with the fact that Cleveland's defense won't be able to stop Brady. Now that they just took Mohamed Sanu. Because now they have another receiver they got to study separately. And that's even more time-consuming, and I don't believe they'll be prepared for that. Now we're going to go into Oakland and Houston. The Raiders go to Energy Stadium to take on... The Houston Texans. And the Houston Texans should win this game. But expect Derek Carr to try to get stuff going. And have to throw the ball more. Because Jacobs will not be able to run the ball as well. Because the Texans run defense is actually pretty good. Which now leads us to the Sunday night football game. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. We have... The Green Bay Packers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Rematch of Super Bowls 1 and 2. And we have Aaron Rodgers going up against... Oh yeah, that's right. Mahomes isn't starting this week. Bummer. Well, that I guess that means the Packers win, right? I think. Unless Matt Moore's a good quarterback. I'm not sure. I haven't seen him really play play. The last time I saw him actually starting... He was leading Miami to the playoffs to take on the Steelers where he took a hard hit that knocked him clean out where he had a concussion and missed the rest of the game where they had to bring in a third-string quarterback and they ended up losing. Yeah, that Matt Moore. Okay. The Matt Moore that carried Miami to the playoffs after Tannehill got hurt. I got you. I got you. The old veteran. 
It's going to be a close game. That's all I'm going to say. But Green Bay will edge it out. And keep in mind, it's not because Mahomes isn't playing. It's just the fact that, well, Green Bay has the advantage here. Because they're going to have stronger QB play from Rodgers than the Chiefs will have from Moore. But don't be surprised if the Chiefs keep it close. Don't be surprised. And then we go to the Monday night football game. Oh, forget it. It's Pittsburgh winning. There's no way Miami wins this game. And if they do win, because I said that last week, because when I said that last week, Miami actually almost won. So I really hope Miami doesn't win this week, and I don't take another loss here. I really don't want that. So, yeah, there you go. That'll do it. Pittsburgh over Miami on Monday night football. So, just to recap, Minnesota will beat Washington in Minnesota. Denver will go to Indianapolis only to lose to Indy. Tampa Bay will go into Tennessee and pull out a victory. New Orleans will play Arizona in New Orleans and win. The LA Rams will take on the Cincinnati Bengals and take the win at the Coliseum. The Jets will go to play Jacksonville and find that Duval will be too much for them and Jacksonville will win. The New York Giants will take on the Detroit Lions at Ford Field and put the Lions back in their spot and win in an upset. The Chargers take on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field and Trubisky may screw over another game and the Chargers will win as a result. The Philadelphia Eagles go on to play Buffalo and the Eagles go into Buffalo and win. They pull off a win to get a rebound from last week's atrocious beating they took against the Cowboys. Seattle plays Atlanta where they will beat Atlanta in possibly a close game, depending on how Schaub performs. San Francisco plays Carolina in San Francisco, and in a very close game, San Francisco will win. Cleveland takes on New England, and New England will beat Cleveland because Baker Mayfield has no time in the pocket. Oakland takes on Houston, only to find out that Houston actually is a good team, and they will lose at Energy Stadium. Green Bay will ta- will be taking on Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. Possible close game, but Pittsburgh, I mean not Pittsburgh, so sorry. Green Bay will beat Kansas City. And then Miami will take on Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football, where Pittsburgh will hopefully win. And if you don't believe me, and you don't trust me, I would like to let you know that last week for Week 7, I was 10-3 and on, rec- on predictions for games. So, if you need a source to rely on, go right here to the Sideline Statsman. Which now brings me to the Change My Mind segment for this week. Now, as I did promise, I did say that if you were to comment, I would shout out the best comments of the week on last week's post, which was that Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. And one player did, one person actually, my correction, one person did respond. Alla Benart. Alla Benart. A-L-L-A-B-E-N-A-R-T. Alla Benart said, no player who came from the ranks of the Patriots could ever be overrated. Now, that is a very interesting take because a lot of people believe that Brady is overrated. Now, as a deep passer, Brady is slightly overrated because people have too much confidence in that. But as a successful game manager and a great quarterback skill, historically, he is nowhere near overrated. As for Jacoby Brissett, he was severely underrated. Nobody believed in him. Even I didn't believe in him. 
If you go back to my earlier podcast in the preseason, I said Chad Kelly should have been starting. And man, do I regret that. I still think he's a starter caliber quarterback. But again, Jacoby Brissett is doing a great job this season and should be in talks for an MVP possibility. And as for Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been very successful with an undefeated record. Now, with that undefeated record comes some interests. Okay? So, just because he's undefeated doesn't mean he's not overrated. Because people like to associate the success with him. It's not just him for the success. It's the run game. It's the top deep, one of the top defenses in the league. I mean, there's so many different factors in here. So, you can say that any player who came from the ranks of the Patriots can't be overrated. But at the same time, what happened after he left the Patriots? There are just a few examples of Patriots who were successful. Think about it. Okay, Aqib Tlaib left. He had some success with the Rams. But, like, it's questionable now what he's actually done career-wise. LeGarrette Blunt was a Patriot. He's unemployed now. No offense to LeGarrette Blunt. But you get where I'm going with this. Patriots players who leave, and even coaches, don't typically have the same success as they do when they're with the Patriots. It's just the case that Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo are finding success outside of the Patriots. And that is a rare occurrence. So kudos to them. So yeah, thank you, Ala Benart, for your comment. I really appreciate it. Now, moving on to the actual debate topic this week. The brand new one. This one is a brand new one, controversial, maybe even hair-raising. So your Change My Mind segment this week has to do with the Carolina Panthers, who we were discussing. I'm very happy with the performance of Kyle Allen. He's done incredible for them. They're 4-0 ever since he took over. But the quarterback before that, you know, the franchise guy, I think his name was Super Cam, Cam Newton. Is that his name? I think the, the big guy. Yeah. So he was the quarterback before. And I know I'm going to sound stupid right now, but bear with me and you probably will understand this. It's more believable than you think. I believe the Panthers need to trade Cam Newton. It's simple. It's very simple. Change my mind. Go ahead. But the Panthers need to trade Cam Newton. The success of Kyle Allen is unprecedented. Although the passing game isn't the best, also because they don't have the best receivers. Although there is that factor. The offense and the team has not worked as well when he wasn't in the game. This is the best I've seen the team operate since Super Bowl 50. When they made it and lost to Denver. When Cam Newton won the MVP. That's what I'm saying. So, to put this into better perspective, I am saying that Cam Newton needs to focus and find a way to get either back in or he is gone. Right now, Cam Newton, I think, needs to go. And because of where he is right now in recovery, that he's going to be at full health, if they were to trade him before the trade deadline to a quarterback-needy team, they can get a big return on it. Now, in case we don't know, before you guys start coming after me because of him, he, that he should be the starter, he's been the franchise guy for so long, it's the least they can do, let me also point out that since he came back last year from injury, he has not helped the team. He hasn't won a game since he originally came back. The first time towards the end of the season. They could, he guys have won a game since then. And then he finally went out with an injury after week two. And this new guy, Kyle Allen, who did fill in last year, by the way, 
and got his first win then. He has not lost a game ever since he, every game he started. Every game he has started, he has not lost. Just like Jimmy Garoppolo, who every game he played, he never, he never lost. When he started out, he, he didn't win for a while. I mean, he didn't lose for a while. I mean, come on now. Really? I mean, I know, I know you guys are going to say this is all going to eventually collapse. Maybe it happens this week against San Francisco. But again, who knows what will happen. He beat San Francisco. I want, I'm going to say it now. If Kyle Allen beat San Francisco on Sunday, Cam Newton is gone. He will be off the team. They will trade him. And a team that could really use somebody like Cam Newton? Why not give him to a team that doesn't have many vertical threats? A team that needs a good quarterback. Who doesn't have to throw the deep ball. Somebody who just needs to, you know, throw the ball well. That's all it is. Someone who is not afraid to put their body on the line for the team. Cam Newton is that guy. He is that guy. But what team would want him? I have heard a lot of options. I've heard options ranging all the way to the Bills, which, by the way, makes no sense. But I think the most intriguing one I've heard so far is sending Cam Newton to the Titans. And it makes no sense because they have Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota ready. So it doesn't make any sense to have to send him there. But again... Who knows? You might get a good return on that. That's the point. You want a good return. If that doesn't work out, maybe the Broncos. The Broncos could work. You send him to the Broncos to work in place of Joe Flacco, and you see what he can do. But again, that probably won't happen either. Because again, this is just scenarios where it's like kind of unrealistic in a way. But you keep going. You can run with a lot of options get a lot in return. Another quarterback, another team, did we ever think about the possibility of sending him maybe to the Lions? No, no, we could never send him to the Lions. And Matthew Stafford, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry. Never send him to the Lions. Let's think of teams here together, okay? We could come up with teams that could use a big quarterback and who can run, is mobile, and doesn't have to throw the deep ball, just throws okay. He has a mediocre arm. But just, you know, the hype surrounding him is enough. You know that, right? I mean, that's a kind of a fact. That's all that matters, right? A guy with high hype. Why not send him to the Bears? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They don't really have any big weapons downfield. Except for, you know, Allie Robinson. And, you know, the other guy, Anthony Miller. But, you know, that doesn't matter. Cam Newton doesn't need that. He'll just make them work shorter routes and adjust their game plan to his game style. That's all that has to happen. No time, no problem, no problem. Except that would never work. But again, the Bears don't have to know that. The Panthers just need to trade him and get a return for that. That's all. They just need to do a little convincing. So, do it that way. You could send him to the Bears as a possibility. How about the Rams? The Rams are a nice option, except they have too many vertical threats downfield. So you need to be able to throw the deep ball like golf, but you can't. So that may not work out for you. Can't do, can't go to any division rivals. That'll never work. You have too many threats vertically for every team. I think we've come to the conclusion here of what happens in this league. 
you need to have a strong arm to be successful. You need to have, you need to be good on your feet and healthy to be successful. And Newton is no longer that way. So either way, I'll make this more realistic. The Panthers need to get rid of Cam Newton. Doesn't mean they have to trade him. They don't have to trade him. But they do have to get rid of him. There's no point to having him anymore. He doesn't want to be a backup. He wants to be a starter. And we all know that's how he is. It's the superstar mentality. And if Ron Rivera gives him the job back, so so help me, I will personally protest the Carolina Panthers organization. And not just because I'm a Bucks fan, but because I care. And I'm fighting for what's right. So, that's the Change My Mind segment this week. The Panthers need to trade Cam Newton. Change my mind. I'll be posting that on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.signline.statsman. Don't be afraid to comment and like the post. Even give us a follow. Don't be afraid. And remember, the best comment gets featured this week. I mean, in next week's episode. So, on that note, let's jump straight into the winners and losers of the week. Now that we're hitting about the 50-minute mark, here we are with the winners and losers of the week. See, there were a lot of options here for both sides. Not as many for the winners. Because in case you guys didn't notice, picking a winner is hard. Because there's not a lot of options. And then picking losers, there's too many options. And that always happens. I just noticed that recently. So, let's look at the team... Remember, it's one team winner and one player winner and one team loser and player loser. So... We'll, as we always do, we start with the team winner, we go to the team loser, the player loser, and the player winner to close it out, to keep it on a happy note. So, my team winner this week is a team that took on the Seattle Seahawks in week 7, walked in, being doubted to stop this MVP from winning the game. And what happened? They went in, and they not only beat him, they made it look like a slaughter. It wasn't actually a slaughter, but you know what I mean. The Baltimore Ravens went in to the Seattle Seahawks' home, CenturyLink Field. And they knocked them down and beat them 30-16. Lamar Jackson had 116 yards rushing. His passing, let's not talk about it. But, otherwise, you could also talk about how Newton, not Newton, Wilson, had his first interception this week. And not only was it an interception, it was who was it intercepted by. It was picked off by the former Ram corner, Marcus Peters, who had just been traded to them by the Rams. In his first game as a Raven, he not only picks off Wilson, he runs it all the way to the other side for a pick six. Which ended up being costly as that would seal the deal pretty much on what was going to be a loss for the Seattle Seahawks. I feel bad for them, but once again, the Ravens proved that it doesn't matter if you have a strong QB or a running QB who is very good at running. Who, by the way, for the record, Lamar Jackson is 6th in the NFL in rushing yards. Process that. Now, it doesn't matter if you have a running quarterback or you have a throwing quarterback 
basically a pocket passer. doesn't matter if you have an option quarterback or a balanced quarterback. What matters is you're winning the games behind him, not only on the offense, but on the defensive side by making turnovers happen and making big plays. They did exactly what the team is supposed to do. And that is how the Rams, not the Rams, the Ravens won this week over the Seattle Seahawks. I'm very impressed. I'm very happy for them. But now let's get serious. Let's get serious now. The losing team this week. Many options. Many, many options. But I don't think anything was more disappointing than the Bears' loss to the New Orleans Saints. They lost 36-25. to It doesn't seem like a big deal. But it's a big deal to me. Why is it a big deal? Because we're talking about Mitchell Trubisky. His first game back. And not only do you overwork him. But it's the complete you called. Not Matt Nagy. But the offensive coordinator. The defense was on the field too much. That's how many of these plays happened. In case you can't tell, I'm trying to stay calm. I flipped out last week and almost blew a vessel out of my head. A vein out of my head. So, the Chicago Bears did not only ran, if I'm correct, 10 rush plays, 10 running plays for the running back. And Trubisky threw the ball. Let's see. He threw the ball 54 times. I would like to state for the record that Trubisky is not a quarterback who is supposed to handle that workload. Trubisky is an option and dual threat quarterback. He can throw the ball well, but he can't throw it deep. A lot like Cam Newton. So, you're going to take a Cam Newton style quarterback and force him to throw 54 times. Now, for the record, he did complete 34 of those, so it wasn't as bad as it sounds. But again, 251 yards and two touchdowns. That is not good! The yardage is not good! Okay, you're relying too much on the quarterback to do the work when you have one of the shortest running backs in the league and a rookie who is electric. And you're not running the ball! I mean, you know, want to hear something even better? Ground and pound is what this league relied on in the past. And the fact that we're distancing ourselves away from it is a problem. Because of how important it is. Look at the military colleges that are still using the ground and pound and how successful they are. Especially Army. Are you kidding me? Look. I want to say on those 10 rushing attempts... Overall, from the team. That wasn't just one player. That's the entire team. They had 27 yards. Not one player. Collaboratively. The entire run game accumulated 27 yards. I can't do this. That's it. The Bears got to get their act together. Now this goes to my player loser. Melvin Gordon. I'm just going to go flat out because I'm starting to run out of time here. Look, Melvin Gordon had a horrible week. 
okay? He ran the ball 16 times for 32 yards. That's two yards per carry. That is not good. Not good. And he doesn't get the job done. He also had a chance. By the way, no touchdowns either. He had a chance at the end of the game to run it in and win. Not once, not twice, three times he had the chance. Actually, no. I think it was more than that because I was watching that game. Four, about, about four or five times they could have ran that ball in to score and win and end the game. He could not punch it in on the first four. And on the fifth attempt, as he was coming up to the goal line and he was on top of a player trying to push forward, the ball came out. He fumbled the ball. And who picked it up? The Titans. And the Titans picked it up and they secured it and they won the game. Melvin Gordon is hurting the Chargers. I would trade him. I would get rid of him now. Let somebody else deal with this contract issue. Because he is not proving he deserves to be the starter on this squad or get that contract. I am heated and I am livid. Not a single carry he's had so far this season since he came back has gone more than 7 yards. You can look that up. Not a single carry he's had has gone over that many yards. Has not gone over 7 yards. None of his attempts. I am serious. You can look it up. Needs to be fixed. Eckler was is better right now than Gordon is. Something has to be done. Soon, or else the Chargers season is over completely. They lose again this week, it's over. But now, I'll get on a happier note to close out, and I'll get to the winning player, who is Chase Edmonds. I'm so happy for this guy. Got drafted last year, and he didn't have as much of a productive year as David Johnson did until he hit IR, and he really didn't do too well. Now that they're both healthy, and they're performing, you see Chase Edmonds go up against the Giants defense this week. And he has 27 carries for 126 yards and three touchdowns. Yes, three touchdowns for the guy. He had a breakout game in such a wonderful fashion, and he really deserved it. He really helped carry Arizona over when Kyler Murray wasn't having the best game productively in the passing game because he only went over 100, just made it over 100 yards passing. But the fact of the matter is the Cardinals had a good game because Edmonds had a good game. Edmonds averaged 4.7 yards per carry. That is a beautiful statistic, and I hope he keeps it up because he is going to be a big name in this league if he keeps producing these numbers. They ended up winning the game 27-21 over the Giants. So yeah, there you have it. That's today's episode for the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and we'll see you next time. Remember to follow us on Twitter at TStatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. Give us a like, give us a follow even, or even comment on some of our posts. I don't mind. I'm your host, once again, the Sideline Statsman, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everyone.